Hi, this is Ron Darling with SNY TV. Um, you know me from covering the Mets, and uh, I hope you get a chance to listen to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. I had a great time. I hope you do, too. Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. This, this is Len and Jeff from Baseball and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. Still in quarantine number. I don't even know what number it is anymore. How many days have we been locked up? Uh, in our homes can't even tell no more no baseball uh got so bad i was watching mlb the show on a simulated game on sny last night the uh, dot com uh just to see some sort of mets baseball uh, can't even find the australian baseball anymore I watched a little bit of that earlier in the year but um but we're here and we're talking baseball, and my guest this week is the uh, Mets beat writer for TheAthletic.com. He is Tim Britton, and he joins me on the phone. Tim, welcome to Mets Musings. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Tim, not a heck of a lot that we can talk about, but uh, <laughs> you know, there's always something we can find to talk about with baseball, so... Uh, First off, uh, how are you making out? Is this quarantine keeping busy or uh, just going crazy? You know, it, it just kind of feels like a really long off-season. As, a, as a, a, a beat writer, your your winter is usually working from home and, and making phone calls and trying to come up with some creative ideas, especially later in the off-season, looking forward to the, the upcoming season. Uh, and so that's kind of what the process is now, doing the same kind of thing. Uh, the only problem is we don't know when the season is going to come, and I already used some of those creative ideas in, in, in January, so I've got to got to build up a few more now. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, there's there's not even a lot of rumors or anything coming out. There was uh, some talk about that realignment plan, uh, playing in Florida, playing in Arizona. Any thoughts on that from your point of view? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important for baseball to be thinking creatively about uh, plans like that. You know, the, the Arizona plan is sequestering essentially all 30 teams uh, in the Phoenix area uh, where you have a bunch of spring training facilities. You've got Chase Field with the Diamondbacks play uh, and, and trying to play a season there in a, in a shorter period of time. Yeah, there's the idea of teams just playing at their spring training facilities in Florida and Arizona. You have basically a a national league in Florida and an American league in, in uh, Arizona or something like that with, with team switching, you know, none of these things seem like 
really great ideas. I think the, the Arizona plan is probably a bit more realistic, uh, just because it's a little less complicated. Uh, but the issue with that, uh, you know, it, it, there's a whole lot of logistical obstacles to something like that. But when you hear some players say, thinking basically it's, it's that or nothing, then I'm maybe a little bit more willing to contemplate that than I, than I would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just the, as you said, the logistics has got to be nuts on this whole thing. I mean, how are they going to figure all of this out? Uh, especially with some of the states that are only allowing X amount of people into uh, to gather. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking about this on another episode that, um, like, New York, for instance. Yeah, they can come here and play in front of uh, uh, no crowds, but... You know, there's a 50-person gathering uh, ban, and, geez, you put the two teams, you got 50 people there, not to mention security, not to mention uh, TV cameras, because you know they're going to want to broadcast. And, uh, uh, you know, and would you guys be in the ballpark, or would you be somewhere else watching the game on television? I mean, it's really a crazy uh, kind of idea. Yeah, you know, you, you start to realize just how many people are involved in delivering one baseball game uh, to, to, to fans. You know, it's not just, you talk about the 50-person gathering ban. You know, you've got 26 guys on each roster this year. And, and if we're playing a shorter, more condensed season, it's probably likelier to be 30. You know, I've, I've right. heard talk, if, if they do the Arizona plan, it might be 40-some-odd people. Uh, just because you know you're not going to be bringing in AAA guys at, at any point during the season, so that ups the number of people you have. You have staff, you know, even your coaching staff is about eight to ten people these days. You've got your your health and training staff. Uh, you've got people who feed the players. <laughs> then you've got your broadcast crews. You've got your media. You've got the security at the stadium. You've got you know. I don't know if you're going to have fans in Arizona in smaller stadiums. Probably not at that point. Uh, but you might have to have people, you know, vendors and things like that. Uh, so the, the number of people you're sequestering and something like that starts to get larger and larger. It's not, you know, if it's, if it's the NBA trying to do a playoff in Las Vegas, like they've talked about, that's 16 teams of 12 players. Mm-hmm. It's not 30 teams of 30 <laughs> players or more, right. uh, where the numbers really expand on you pretty fast. Right, and then you know, and they were saying that the Arizona plan are going to play triple headers at uh, the uh, well. I still call it the Bob, but whatever they're calling it now, the the uh, ballpark there. Uh, but then you've got people in and out of the locker room. Are they going to be able to sterilize it between each game? I I, I don't know how they. I I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like the biggest step that that baseball needs and that. I mean, you could probably say <laughs> American society needs at this stage is uh, more more and quicker testing for everyone. Because yeah. any plan for baseball hinges on the ability to, if anyone gets this coronavirus, if anyone comes down with it, to be able to quickly separate them from everyone else mm-hmm. and to not shut everything down for a two-week quarantine. Right. Uh, and you, you can't. You can't even really contemplate this error. That's kind of an, a, a built-in assumption to the Arizona plan, or really any plan to have baseball in 2020, is advances in testing will allow this to happen. Uh, and we haven't seen that yet uh, across the country, and, and that'll be 
if that happens, then I think we can really start to seriously contemplate uh, a couple different plans for how to get baseball back. But until that point, uh, it's all just kind of exercise theory. Any gut feeling uh, when, if at all, they they could possibly begin this series this season? You know, I I would be surprised if anything happened before the quote unquote all star break, which mm-hmm. was you know just July thirteenth or so. You know, I, I think as time has gone on, I've gotten more and more pessimistic for reasons we're talking about, for kind of just the magnitude of challenges right. uh, logistically and, and health-wise that, that every sports league faces. You know, when, when everything was kind of postponed in mid-March, my thought was, you know, the NBA and NHL will be back basically in time for their playoffs. Uh, maybe Major League Baseball starts in late April or something like that, or certainly by Memorial Day. Uh, and I, I wasn't thinking at all about the NFL uh, for college football <laughs> being in trouble. Uh, and now, you know, whether we have a season, I'm probably less than 50% optimistic that we'll have a 2020 baseball season uh, at this point. And if we do, I think it will be uh, probably uh, a large amount of it without fans uh, and, and will happen later in the year than, than any of us were hoping for. And and then it brings up the question, are we going to have a minor league season as well? Uh, you know, if if they're not playing in front of fans, I doubt if they were going to have like a minor league season uh, going on also. Yeah, I, I think the, whatever, whatever percentage chance you think there is that there's going to be a major league season, I would at least have that uh, about the percentage <laughs> chance for a minor league season. Because you're right, you know, there's there is some motivation uh, for major league players uh, and major league owners to have a season even without fans in the stands. There's still some, there's still money to be had there that's meaningful for both sides. Whereas from a minor league perspective, uh, if, you know, if you're going to be playing in, in Lakewood, New Jersey or King County, Illinois, uh, and, and you're not going to have people in the stands, there's maybe not uh, as much, that doesn't really do a lot for you as a minor league owner. If you've got a, pay the head to operate the game uh, without fans and the players themselves are not protected by the union uh there's not as much uh at stake there's not as much to gain for them in that situation uh either so uh, i would be you know, i think at this point i'd probably be really surprised if there is any semblance of a minor league season this year now now the uh the owners agreed to uh, count service uh towards players and I don't know why. Uh, to me, I don't know why the owners would agree to that. I know they don't want to. F- they don't really, you know, with the agreement coming up in a couple of years. I know they don't want to fight the union too much. But um, I don't see how that helps the. Well, let me say say this. I see how it helps the players on one hand, but on the other hand, I don't see how it helps the players because you get a guy like, uh, let's say Porcello now with the Mets. He had a bad year last year. If he doesn't pitch this year at all, he goes into free agency next year. What has he got to build that on? You know, he, yeah. So I, go ahead. Yeah, like I, I, I think uh, for players, service time is is like is, is maybe their number one priority uh, because it's, okay. it's you're, you build your entire career off of that clock. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're if you're Pete Alonso 
your thought process right. when you get called up on opening day 2019 is thinking, okay, I'm going to be a free agent after 2024. You're doing the math uh, early in your career to know when, you know, it's, it's not just when you become a free agent, it's, it's when you get paid through arbitration three years in, it's all of that. Uh, and so delaying that for a year for everyone uh, would leave you with an entire uh, union of disgruntled players, right. uh, even more so than them not getting paid, uh, you know, what they were expecting to get paid in 2020. Uh, you know, I, I think it would make for a very strange free agency this winter, you know, a guy like Mookie Betts who gets traded to the Dodgers and exactly. then play for them before becoming a free agent. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's thinking about uh, trying to get, you know, a $400 million contract or something coming into the season. Uh, and now with the economics of the game being in a, a stressed point uh, at the end of this year, probably, uh, might have to rethink that. Maybe he signs a shorter term thing to hit free agency again. Uh, you know, a, a guy like Porcello, like you mentioned, you know, the, the free, it, it'll be harder for him to get the same exact deal that he got last winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think, you know, everyone's going to be in that position, basically. Right. So I don't know that it hurts him specifically more than anyone else. Uh, you know, if he had a better year in 2019, uh, in 2018, 2019, sorry, I'm getting confused about years. If he had a better <laughs> year in 2019 before uh, on an absence of a season in 2020, I don't know that that guy is making more money than he would have otherwise. You right, know, there's, right. It's just going to be really confusing uh, a free agent period if there's no season. And then you've got the backdrop of collective bargaining negotiations for next winter beyond that uh, after 2021. Uh, and maybe it'll be more favorable to be a free agent then. Maybe it'll be less favorable to be a free agent then. There's a lot uh, of complicating factors there that would make it uh, a pretty fascinating winter uh, this upcoming year. Boy, this really threw a monkey wrench into everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, you don't you, you plan for a lot of contingencies when you're. Uh, a sports league or your uh, professional athlete <laughs> yeah. or a professional franchise or, you know, a beat writer uh, living in Queens. You plan for a lot of different things. Uh, <laughs> sports not happening for months on end and maybe for an entire year, entire season, uh, is not something that was necessarily on the, uh, on the, the brick glass in case of emergency list. I, I said to my wife last night at one point, I was so desperate, I was watching the MLB, the show, the game uh, that the Mets were playing. They were broadcasting on uh, SNY.com, and I said, look, look at how desperate I'm getting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, I, there's, you know, there's only so many simulations and, and old <laughs> games that can get you through this at this point. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Mets. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, of course, with the Tommy John surgery. Uh, uh, I have a buddy of mine that's been predicting this for five years, saying the way he throws, he's going to have to get surgery. Uh, and now it come to pass. Uh, there's actually a chance now with him getting uh, his uh, service time, he may never throw a pitch again for the Mets. Is that? I mean, it's feasible. You know, some guys miss two years. Yeah, and there's there's a couple different ways of looking at it. You know, he he's had his Tommy John surgery essentially right around the same time that Zach Wheeler had his. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go back in 2015, and Wheeler of course missed two years, uh, and then wasn't quite the same even that third year back right. uh, in the rotation 2017. But Syndergaard 
you know, he's still under contract through 2021 with the Mets. So if he's able to pitch next year, uh, if he's able to come back a little bit quicker, maybe by June or July, he could still play a part in their season. At the same time, the Mets could look at where his recovery is at in November or December, and if they don't feel good about it, they don't feel like they want to pay him, he'd have to make at least $10 million next year in arbitration. Uh, If they look at that and say, you know what, we don't feel like we want to pay $10 million for maybe 8 to 10 starts, the second half of the season or something like that, they could theoretically non-tender him uh, and make him a free agent this upcoming winter. I wouldn't expect them to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that would be, you know, I think Syndergaard's potential to be an impact pitcher, even in a small sample, is too big Mm -hmm. to make that kind of decision, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Hmm. And then think of that. That's that's an excellent point. Uh, And, you know, the other side of it now, uh, who replaces him this year if we have a season? And going forward, we're not going to have a pitching staff next year unless Brody uh, does something uh, because with Stroman, Waka, and Porcello all being free agents, we're, I mean, we go back to what you said earlier. This is going to be an interesting winter. <laughs> yeah, so I think let, let's, We'll focus on if there is a season in 2020, you know, Michael Waka slides into that rotation. Uh, and that's the, the good news about having six, you know, legitimate major league starters with some track record in spring training for five spots. One of those, you know, the, we always say that those things kind of take care of themselves. And, right. and for the Mets, unfortunately, it took care of itself in this way with, with Syndergaard going down. I think the bigger concern for a potential 2020 season is you're going to be playing a lot of games in a small amount of time, probably. You know, you you talk about double headers some days. Uh, you're probably not going to have as many days off as you would otherwise. So having actually a sixth starter uh, rather than just your usual five probably really beneficial. So mm-hmm. if, the Mets, if the Mets have been able to keep all that depth, uh, they might be in an advantageous spot compared to some other teams that only plan for five. Uh, so now you're talking about uh, whether it's Walker Lockett or Steven Gonzalez or David Peterson or Corey Oswalt making a, a a few starts for you over the course of an abbreviated 2020 season, you know, in a way that, that the Mets didn't have to dip to a six-starter most of last year. And then trying to rebuild the rotation, you're right. You've only got DeGrom and Matt locked in beyond this season uh, and healthy for the start of the 2021 season. So you probably have to go out, you, you know, you hope that someone like Peterson comes through and, mm-hmm. and presents himself as uh, a regular rotation option for 2021. That you know, another part of this that's difficult is this is a guy who's thrown uh, I think like 110 innings as his high in the in the minor league. Generally, when you're introducing guys to the major leagues for a full season, you want him to be able to throw 150 innings, uh, and he's going to be operating off a smaller base number this year. You know, he's not going to get to 100 this year, so it'll be tougher for him to make that innings jump next year. And maybe you've got to kind of massage his innings a little bit more than you would a normal pitcher. Uh, so that, that is another complicating factor for not just Peterson, but for a lot of guys across Major League Baseball and, and how you're mm-hmm. planning for your 2021 team. But it, it would mean probably for an, an active offseason for the Mets in terms of locking down a couple pitchers uh, to, to go into next year with, with more of a complete rotation uh, than they have right now. And, and you know, uh, for all we know, you know, a, a Porcello or a Waka may want to stay here, especially maybe a guy like Porcello if they make him a similar type of deal because he's a New Jersey guy and, you know, it's his home, it's around his hometown. So he may want to 
stay here uh, with the Mets. Um, and any chance that they could move Seth Lugo into the rotation? Yeah, you know, that, that's an option. I was actually talking with, with someone uh, from the Mets front office a couple weeks ago uh, about, you know, when, when Syndergaard went down, is you know, they talked about Lugo and Robert Gazelman as guys that were kind of prepping as starters right. at the start of the offseason before they added Waka and Porcello. I said, is that hot? Can you put that back on with them yeah. at this point? You know, there's, there's so much uncertainty about when the season's going to come back. Would they have time to build back up to that? Uh, and this person was saying, you know, they were still prepping basically to be multi-inning relievers, to be guys who could get you six or nine outs in a game. So it's not too difficult for them to, to build back up, especially given that there's, there's going to be a good amount of time probably between now and the start of a season mm-hmm. uh, to, to build back up as starters if they wanted that. So uh, I think that is an option for the Mets. You know, Lugo, we've seen, uh, he's excelled in the bullpen the last two years, but he's also pitched pretty well in the rotation when he's gotten that opportunity in, in 2016 and in 2018. Uh, 2017 was a rougher year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think you're pretty confident he could be at least a league average starter, if not better than that in that role. Uh, so that's another option, especially when you look at building that 2021 rotation, I think, that they could go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, on the plus side, there is a plus side for this delay. <laughs> uh, Michael Conforto should be healthy, I, w- I would have to say. Uh, and uh, maybe, maybe even Ioannis uh, Cespedes. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this gives those guys a chance. You know, Conforto especially. Uh, oblique injuries are difficult to get over, but I think by the time we're we're getting back to a modified second spring training, he should be just about all ready to go. I think, you know, that was the type of injury that would, would have probably kept him out until right about now mm-hmm. uh, in the actual schedule. Uh, my, my concern was always that they were going to try to rush him back a little bit because obliques you've got to be super patient with. Right. Uh, and fortunately for him, He's got plenty of reason to be super patient right now. <laughs> uh, with with Ioannis Cespedes and, and Jed Lowry, uh, you know, the, the good news is you've got more time. The bad news is you don't have, like, the, the full ability to work your way back in the way that you would if right. you were at a facility every day, you know, working with the, the training staff uh, on, you know, with people rather than on your own and just kind of getting guidance from afar, which is my understanding for, for guys across the game. Uh, so... You know, I'm not sure if, if Jed Lowry is able to, you know, talk to the guy, talk to people who are trying to build him a, a sleeker knee brace. Uh, if he's able to try different things out, or if it's it's all kind of on hold for him right now, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a question I don't know the answer to. But those those guys should be closer physically to a return when we get if and when we get back to baseball this year than they would have been on March 26th when the season was scheduled to start. Now, you mentioned Jed Lowry, and he's kind of the forgotten guy because uh, we didn't see much, if anything, of him. We saw very, very little. Uh, he had that enormous uh, uh, knee brace on. I don't know how he could play with that, having bad knees. But um, we'll, if we have a season, are we going to see him at all, or is should we just essentially write him off? You know, I, I think with Lowry and Cespedes, you go into whatever season you have this year thinking anything we get from them is a bonus because of the magnitude of injuries they're trying to overcome. You know, it's, it's Cespedes coming back from missing uh, a season and a half. You know, it'll be 
by the time we're, we're actually playing baseball this year, it's going to be two years since his last major league game, probably. Uh, and with Lowry, it'll be a, you know, uh, a year and a half since he's been a regular, uh, at the end of the 2018 season. Yeah. So these are big injuries that are difficult to overcome in any circumstances, let alone these. Uh, so I think you look at the, them as bonus performances. The Mets have kind of looked at it that way in the offseason. They built their roster where if, if those guys don't play, they've still got a pretty good lineup. Right. Um, with, with Lowry, you know, he was doing, he was on more of a regular schedule in spring training, but, you know, that, that knee brace was pretty noticeable. It was about as big as I'd ever seen uh, on any athlete, let alone a baseball player. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's something you can't imagine him sliding into second base with that on his leg. Uh, that's a terrifying thought. Uh, so, I, you know, he was looking for something that was less bulky, uh, that, that gave him kind of the same comfort with his knee. At that point, you know, at the point in spring that we were there, he was saying that the, the knee brace allowed him to kind of feel like himself. Uh, and with it off, you know, he didn't quite feel as comfortable uh, in the field or at the plate. So it's trying to find that balance between something that gets you back feeling yourself, mm-hmm. but that also allows you to do everything on a field uh, without getting in the way. Uh, so, you know, I think this is still a guy who's not that far removed from being an all-star in 2018 with Oakland. Right. Uh, right. But you can't, you know, it, there's there are scenarios in which Jed Lowry is a really important part of this team in 2020. I don't know that they're likely or probable, but I think they do still exist to some extent. Right, right. Well, because, we, you know, especially in a short season now, uh, as you said before, there's going to be a lot of games, uh, maybe doubleheaders. Guys are going to get tired. They're going to have to expand the roster, and he could have a bigger part to play. Uh, maybe as a you know uh, resting a Cano or resting uh, a, a McNeil or a JD Davis and uh, you know it certainly it makes the keeping of Dominic Smith now look uh, like a good move because you don't know what's going to happen uh, in the season you know and the, and they're talking about the possibility of even a a DH for the uh, uh, just for this year only. Though I cringe at that, and uh, uh, I have a feeling that if they do it for one year, it's never going to go away. But I, I think this team is 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 a really good team and could really contend. It's just uh, a shame that this had to happen. Yeah, you know the the depth is really important if you're playing kind of a sprint rather than a marathon, mm-hmm. and that that feels a little counterintuitive. Because, you know, you generally think, you know, over six months, 162 games, you're going to need all these guys. But if you're trying to cram uh, 100 games into three months or something like that, right. uh, then uh, you really do need to have uh, guys to spell, other, you know, you're going to have to give more regular rest, not just to the older guys like Robinson Cano, but also to, you know, to Jeff McNeil to keep him off his feet. Pete Alonso's not going to be able to play almost every game at first base. You're going to have to give those guys more of a rest to keep them fresh and keep them productive. And then I think another concern coming in is depending on the length of whatever spring training is, uh, you've got to you've got to worry about uh, maybe injuries being a little bit more prevalent than they would be otherwise because guys have kind of built themselves up to be almost ready for a season, and now they've taken a step back. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to do spring training for ten days or two weeks, uh, you got to build yourself up pretty quickly. Then in a way you're not really used to to get ready for the season. Uh, so that's you know pitchers have to be worried about trying to go too deep early in the season uh, and having their, their arms ready. Hitters have to worry about, you know, you're not really seeing live pitching for months on end right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Even if it's even worse than a normal offseason, there's, right. there's only so much you can 
you can do on your own uh, and react to on your own. Uh, so I was talking to another baseball writer yesterday, and he said some players are, are concerned about you know their obliques as a hitter because right. that's something that you know you're, it's built off of your reaction speed. You might not be able to practice that or work on that mm-hmm. for months at this point. So uh, all of that means that having a Dominic Smith as a, uh, a backup option, having maybe a Jed Lowry as a backup option, having Jake Bresnik in the outfield, those, those kinds of things could be helpful for the Mets uh, if we're playing a, a short season uh, later in the summer. Well, it all makes sense to me. And, and boy, I, I certainly hope that we uh, we get some baseball back uh, soon uh, so you can get back to work. I know you've got to be itching to get back to work, and uh, we all want to read your stuff again. So um, I want to thank you for coming on today, taking the time, and uh, let's just hope for the best outcome. That's, that's all we can do at this point. Yeah, we're all... You know, it's always exciting to reach opening day of the baseball season every March or April. Uh, but I think this year, if it's if it's July, if it's August, if it's if it's November, it will be really exciting to be uh, at a at a baseball stadium for an opening day. Yeah, it's. I think even if it snows, people won't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if there and if there can be fans, they're even better. So uh, we we all miss this sport, and and we're looking forward to seeing. Uh, a real ver- real live version of it on our TV too. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Tim. I really appreciate it. And please take care of yourself. And I uh, hope you'll come on again sometime. You too, Gary. Thank you so much. And I'll be back right after this. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And we're back, and I hope you enjoyed that interview tonight with uh, uh, Tim Britton. Wasn't he terrific and uh, gave us lots of great information? Let's just hope, like we all are hoping, that uh, we get this season going and getting it going soon because we're all getting a little uh, shaky. (laughs) Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I want to thank my guest, Tim Britton, once again. He was terrific, and I want to thank you all for listening, and uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen or watch the podcast, whether it be YouTube, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, CastBox, Tons of other places wherever you watch or listen to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. That helps you grow the show and expand new listeners. And until next time, remember, keep the faith. Stay optimistic. Let's add a few. Sanitize. Use hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Wear a mask in public. Stay six feet away. And let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings.